At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This isn't just a place for me to live. This is an asset. And how can I use this asset to really propel me forward? Hello, and welcome to Planetial's podcast, Future Rich. I am your host, Barbara Ginty, and I am a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. And I am here today with a very exciting expert episode uh, with my friend, Emily. Hi, Emily. Hi. Um, and so for all of our lovely listeners, you we talk a lot about real estate, real estate investing, um, how to neutralize housing costs. And we've had real estate investors on before, but we have yet to have a female real estate investor. So I'm super excited for you to share your story about how you got into real estate, maybe explain some of the different avenues in. And also, I think it'll be great to hear it from a female perspective because it can be a bit intimidating. I That's a great intro and I 100% agree. And I think that's kind of where I now why I'm in this space. So in 2018, I left my engineering job. Um, I was in corporate engineering in the oil field and then I worked kind of as a government contractor and I left to kind of explore. I wasn't sure what I was doing, but I did a couple of other fun things along the way. I opened up a co-working space. I started a podcast and I did all the things to figure out what was next. And now looking back at that time, the reason I was able to do that is because we had started investing in real estate. Ah. So we were able to go from two incomes down to one because I was not making money. (laughs) (laughs) But what we had done the previous year is we invested in our first spec house in Colorado. So we were just the money. We built a house from the ground up. We sold it. And the profits that we made on that were pretty stinking close to what my engineering um, income was for a whole year. So it just alleviated some of the pressure that, you know, normally you would feel going from two incomes down to one. Uh, Since then, I I quit my job. My husband quit his job. (laughs) He went back to work then quit his job again. We now both work for ourselves. But during that time, we did two spec houses and that financial 
pressure was just alleviated and allowed us to have the opportunity to get to where we are right now. Can you explain Spec House? Feels right. Sure. So a Spec House is you're building a house basically with the speculation that you're going to sell it. it. So everything that you're doing, you're thinking about the end buyer. You're not putting it on the market early. So there's a difference there. And some builders do pre-solds, which is they, I'm sure you've seen this in, in, in Utah and maybe in, in New York, but there's a piece of dirt with a for sale sign, but it's a house that they're selling. So they're selling a house before it's been built. So we're the opposite. We build the house and once it's completely ready, then we sell it. Right. Cause if, when it's not built yet, you can say, Oh, I want this type of countertop or this type of tile. So you're not getting into that hole. No. Mm-mm. And actually, um, we're, <laughs> so our, our second spec house here, cause we've, we've done three in Colorado, we're building two more. And then we started doing them here. And now we have a construction company and we do that ourselves. But, um, the one we're on right now sold without us advertising it. So oh we're God. kind of dabbling in this like pre-sold air kind of thing. So arena. Yeah. And then your spec house in Colorado, you were, you said you were just the money for it. So you didn't, yeah. so mm-hmm. you were an investor in it. <clears throat> yep. So we had an opportunity to, um, my husband and I have really different backgrounds and I think it right. matches really well for what we do now. Cause we work together. So I, I got my master's degree in engineering. Um, my husband was homeschooled. And so we have a very different kind of background in education in terms of like, I was like in the books with engineering, but he grew up on the job site. So from, I think when he was 19, he bought his first piece of equipment, a track hoe, paid it off, worked really hard. He has so much experience in that. And in 2017, he decided to sell it. Okay. So when we sold that, we had a pretty big chunk of money, the most that either of us had ever had. Um, and we decided that that was the time to do something. So okay. we took that money. We bought a piece of land in Colorado. We paid a contractor to build it. We okay. paid a realtor to sell it. We didn't even walk in that house until it was already sold. I think was the first time we walked in it. Oh, wow. So that's like, that like started this whole process. Like we kind of stumbled into this accidentally, but um, once we got the profits from that, now granted the market was very different when we did that. And it certain it was a little scary. It took like six months to sell, which is not the norm right now. Right. Um, we were paying interest payments on the construction loan, which like I said, going from our two incomes down to one, like we definitely felt those interest payments at the mm-hmm. end. But once we sold it and we recognized what the profit was like that, this light bulb went off and we're like, like, why aren't more people doing this? And how can we do it more? Right. So I dove into like trying to understand this. I was listening to podcasts. I was reading books. I was doing everything I could to try and understand this like very foreign concept to me. A lot of people know about it. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, But just what you said everything I was learning was dominated by uh, a male voice mostly. And it was people that had already done it. Like they had already had this massive portfolio. They already had 50 rentals or, you know, vacation rentals across 10 States or whatever it was. And what I really, really, really needed was to hear from people like me just getting started and kind of like opening my eye to this whole world that I didn't even know existed. So 
Well, because it seems like, at least from my experience being in the invest, kind of more of the investment arena, is the real estate is like a whole nother ballpark, right? Like it's a different, totally different mechanism. And the people who are in that tend to be exclusively in real estate. Like that is their forte. That is where all their money is. And I think being on the investment side, that real estate can be really intimidating because to me, I understand the market. So I know what the variables are, but with real estate to me, there's so many more unknown variables. And I also feel like there's so many other ways into that market, right? Like you just talked about spec houses, which spec versus being built before versus, you know, rentals or vacation. There's like so many different avenues in, I think, or at least it appears that way. Yeah. And I think that's, what's cool about it is that if you have any desire to invest in real estate, there's a way to do it that works in your life. It's not, you don't have to change your entire life to make it work. You know what I mean? Like even, um, I think back to like my very first house I ever bought for my first engineering job in Wyoming. I was 25. I had no idea that people were investing in real estate as a way to like make a passive income or even retirement. I had no idea, but what I did. And I think what a lot of people do is they think about like, well, I have this asset that over time will naturally appreciate in value, hopefully, in normal circumstances. And how can I use this asset that's appreciating to make me money right now? Or how can I have someone else help me pay down this appreciating asset? So there's so many, there's just so many ways to look at it. So like that house had an unfinished basement. I went and took out a home equity line of credit. I finished my basement. I had my friend move in and then I paid off my home equity line of credit by the fact that someone else was helping me pay for it. It's amazing. So that's like one thing you can do. I mean, there's so many, even, even like this house I'm in right now, I've had a roommate in my house before, like on different occasions. And that's, the basic concept of it is someone else is paying down your asset. So it's like this, you can have this trifecta of like, you have an asset that's appreciating in value, hopefully. Hopefully. Someone else is paying down your debt. So it doesn't cost you money in a perfect scenario. And then potentially maybe it's cash flowing too, if you have a renter in there. So then you're also making money on it. So there, it's just like, it's a, it's a confusing world to jump into, but really at the end of it, you're investing in an asset that will appreciate and maybe someone else is paying it down for you. It's helping you finance that asset. Yeah, exactly. It seems so to me, it seems like the easier way in for somebody listening to the podcast, because we have a lot of people who are devoted to fixing their finances or improving their finances. I always say one of the biggest issues I see with people's budgets is their housing costs is too high, right? Because you know, if we're trying to find money to save for retirement or find money to pay down your student loan debt and you have a set housing cost at 1500, well, and it's hard to have wiggle room. And so the idea of like taking a roommate or finding out a way to monetize or neutralize your housing costs to me is like, can be a game changer for a lot of people. And it seems like an easier, at least from my personal experience, an easier step into the real estate arena. Yeah, exactly. So the house I'm in currently Um, I feel like this is more like my adult house, (laughs) like my first house. It's like trying to understand. I sold it at a loss. I sold it when when prices dropped because I didn't, I I just didn't know what I know now that you could, you could keep it and have a renter in there. I just didn't, I didn't know. 
but the house I'm in now has made me money, even though I'm living in it. So I've rented out a room before. Um, I've rented it to two different people and that's been fine. And the other thing I've done is there's a big event that happens in my area every summer where people from all over the country come and four different times I have packed up left and done a short-term rental on my house. And that's covered that's my mortgage idea. for like six months. So you're right. There's, there's such a way to start slowly with this. And when it's big numbers, like buying a house, starting slowly is really the way to go. And then you kind of like catch an itch for it. And you're like, how else can I do this? <laughs> how else can I do? Well, because I think it's really nice, especially for the people that are interested in fire. And I really like the idea of not only neutralizing housing costs, but then having a passive income from real estate. I think because compared to the market, you could potentially have a smaller principal amount, right? Like 250 or 300 that could cash flow you potentially more than the market could, mm-hmm. which yeah, I think is absolutely. really great. So talk to so me then, a bit yeah, about the next level. So if you get, you can get in yeah. easily by renting a room in your house or buying a property that has an apartment, mother-in-law, and then what, talk more about like, how do you get into like the next level of real estate investing? I would say. So one thing that is really beneficial, and I'm not a tax advisor or a financial advisor, so certainly talk to experts in that, but specifically where I'm at in my experience, and I think this is most places, but when you live in a home for two years, oh, I was going to say, you're going to talk about, no, you can totally talk about, this is great. I was going to say, you're going to talk about the primary uh, residence exclusion. And then are you, do you do 1031s as well? Well, I'm not going to talk about 1031 because I've never done one myself yet. Okay. Let's talk about the primary game. Yeah. So for, for me, like living in this house right now, I've been in this house for five years. As -hmm. long as you've been in it for two years, if I were to then sell it, the gain that I would recognize would not be taxable to a certain point. 250,000 per person. Yeah. So marry a couple, you could do up to 500. I mean, which is insane. Which is insane. It's a, it one of the biggest, it doesn't exist. No, it's a big loophole in our tax code. Yeah. So that could be, and that is for a lot of like builders, a whole strategy of, Oh yeah. I build a house. I live in it or I buy a house. I live in it. I live in it. Maybe I add some improvements. Maybe I do some remodels. I get it to appreciate in value a little bit. Uh, I sell it. And whether that's by the market or, you know, things I've done, whatever that gain is, is not taxable. And then I can move on to the next house mm-hmm. if I wanted to do that. Cause of course there's other things you could do. I could keep it as a rental, right. whatever, but that's like a whole strategy you could have too, that every couple of years you just move on to the next one, because then you also have this benefit when you buy your next house as an owner occupied buyer, you can have a lower interest rate. Oftentimes you can have less money down. I mean, it's like, there's so many benefits to buying and selling your home if you're actually living in it. Now to make that, to really like drive that home. If I were to then go buy purely an investment property that I was not living in, I would need to bring 20 to 25% upfront. So if I bought a $100,000 house, I would have to put $20,000 down, $25,000 down minimum to then, and which is still great, 
But if I were to buy that same house and then live in it, that's less capital I have to put into that house right away. And it's all really just thinking about like shuffling your money around a little bit and what makes most sense. But that I think is like a really easy way to start like just recognizing the the fact that exactly. But there's so many ways to do this. A good point. And I will tell you, I didn't know because I had never owned anything when I bought the business and I found out we didn't have a long-term lease. I always say we, because it was really just me. So, but it made me feel better to say we, because it's like literally me by myself. I didn't have a long-term lease. <laughs> and every, people would always be like, who's we? And I'm like, me and myself, I don't know. But it made me feel like I more attainable if I said yeah. we versus me. So we did, I didn't have a long-term lease. And so I had to get a property and it wasn't going to be owner-occupied. It was going to be commercial. And they're like, oh, you need to do minimum of 25% down. The interest rate is higher. And the other thing that most yes. people don't realize is the terms of the mortgage are totally different. So you can't get a 30-year fix. Or I was told that you could not get a 30-year fix. The best they could do was, I think, a 15-year fix locally. Um, they can do arms that you know reset and are amortized over 30 years, meaning your payments as if it's 30, but it can the, the amount can change every five. Um, mm. And so you bring up a valid point that if you want to get into it and that is a prohibiting factor, you could look to do owner-occupied to start because residential, meaning you're going to live in it, are much better terms. Yep. And there's all of these different programs out there for first-time homebuyers, which is even less, like 3% sometimes. There's some places where you can get a loan for the amount of money you put down, but then there's VA loans. There's rural development loans. There's all these different programs that are out there to help you if you're going to live in it. Um, So there's just lots of opportunities to really be thinking about like, this isn't just a place for me to live. This is an asset. And how can I use this asset to really propel me forward or to, you know, build wealth over time? It's, it's a huge, it's like, we just, I think the biggest thing that I did not growing up, I did not understand this growing up with my first house. I didn't understand it, but if we switch our mindset to like where I'm living is an asset, it really can change the game and how you approach, you know, everything that you do. I was like, we're on the same. I was just going to say, I think the biggest thing is changing your mindset versus saying like, I think the mindset a little bit with sometimes with individuals is this is my home. I want it to be everything I want it to be. And then that's really not a performing asset, right? It's a non-performing asset, or even depending on the the purchase price, it could be, you know, dragging you down a bit. Um, And so I think it's a mindset change of saying, okay, how can owning a home help me with my finances versus just being, you know, a place to live? That is a big mindset. And there's so many other things too. Like once you own this home, you can also use it to get a line of credit. Yes. say the perfect rental property comes up on the market and you're like, dang, I could, I could, the cash flow works. Maybe you are able to make some improvements on your own. You're like, I want to go after this, but I don't have 20% down. If you're living in a home that has appreciated in value, you could have access to a line of credit using the equity in your home. So So there's so- Yeah, for our listeners, a lot of people don't know what a line, I've said that to people being like, oh, you should get a HELOC. And they're like a HELOC which is a home equity line of credit. So basically, and it's a lot easier to get than a primary mortgage because they're lending against the tangible asset. So they're lending against your actual home. They're not lending as much to you with your credit score and your W-2s. I mean, 
it takes paperwork obviously, but, and you pay interest payments on it, but interest rates right now are really low and you can get a nice chunk of change. I would say, actually, I was surprised how easy it was to get a line of credit. I thought there would be a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. It's such an opportunity to, uh, and, and exactly what you said, it's tangible. So it's like, yes, the bank sees that this thing is worth money. You get an appraisal and you see that this thing that you owe a certain amount on is actually worth this much. So the difference, they're like, sure, we'll loan you some percentage of yeah, the, a percentage yeah, of that amount right. of equity you have. Yeah, it's it's cool. There's just so, right, so many ways to get started though. Yeah, the home equity line of credit is also a great point that you you bring in. Definitely people don't realize that. And that's and that's another reason why if you know, you get into your home and it maybe you take a roommate and help pay down that mortgage so that you have that equity in there because then once you have that equity, they will loan you. So if you had 3% equity, they're not gonna loan you a home equity line of credit. But once you pay down and you get farther along, you can use that one asset for another asset. So then talk to me, what I think is really interesting too is how do you get into more of the, not using your personal home or two family, like how do you do kind of the spec and more development side? So there's a, there's so many different ways you can invest outside of home, you know, owner occupied. So the thing that we have done successfully and we will keep doing uh, is we build this spec house. And when we sell it, we take that profit, we roll it into the next thing. Very rarely do we pull our money back out of it. Now, the thing about building a spec house and everything, there's so many ways to do it. So if this way is like, I don't want to do that. There's another way, okay. but I'll tell about this way. So either you are a builder, you're a contractor, or you have connections okay. is the way you do this. So we didn't just choose a random place in Colorado to start building that place in Colorado. We knew a builder that we trusted. It's where Levi's from. We knew the market. We knew the area. Okay. Now the spec houses we build here we GC them. We, we are the general contractor. Okay. So we build them on our own. So it's, it's, it's possible to do it without even stepping foot in it. And all you're doing is putting up the money. And that's what we've done in Colorado. And we'll keep doing that. You just have to find, you know, the right contacts to be able to do that and people you trust. And, but it's totally possible. Now that what we're doing here, we're doing it ourselves. Also very possible. If you have that background, um, my background in engineering, I had a lot of experience in construction management. My husband's a general contractor. So, I mean, if you are in kind of one of those industries, this is something you could certainly do like on the side, potentially. Um, It would take more work, but there's other ways to invest that take a lot less work. So I would say if you wanted to um, just buy a turnkey rental property. Okay. So what that means is you buy a property that literally you can turn the key, walk in and someone could start renting it. It doesn't need any work. And that is a really nice way that if if you're able to have that amount of equity down, you can afford that, you can get a renter in there. You don't have to do anything. It's not a lot of work. It's just that financial investment that you need to have. And then there's another way, which is flipping. And I feel like that's right. like the most popular. <laughs> yeah, I would say, I feel like a lot of people talk about flipping houses. <laughs> yeah, and before I got into this, I feel like I said to Levi, my husband, and I hear a lot of people say this, of like, oh, I just want to flip houses because it's kind of glamorized. 
on HGTV. Yeah. I was at HGTV always talked about flipping houses. I know there's all these shows that it looks so fun, <laughs> but I will say we flipped a house in Rapid City, um, outside of where we live. It took, it was a foreclosure. It had been okay. on the market for two years, water damage. Um, the roof was caving in. It was awful. It was awful, awful, awful. And we walked in so naive, maybe because of HGTV. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> we thought You're like, this is gonna we be can so do fun. this. Yeah. yeah it's so, it's going to be so easy. Everyone does this. And I have to say that we lost money on that. And it was oh, no. one of the hardest deals, but it's fine. It like, we learned so much. so much. It's great. But I would just say really understanding what you have time for, yeah. um, what level of risk you're able to handle. I mean, that's a big one. Like we lost money on that house. Well, is that We're in a position when, where that's okay. Because when you're flipping, I would say, because my experience with real estate is you don't know what's in the walls. You don't know what's under the ground. So the benefit, and so for all my lovely listeners, you all know that I lost a ton of money on my property in New York because of a terrible sewage issue. It turned out to be my problem, not the city's. Although I would dispute that. I'm not hiring an attorney to do that. Um, but if you're building... <laughs> Never sue the government, right? Um, <laughs> if you're building from the from you know a plot, you know that everything is new and everything is functioning, yes. and you kind of can have a better, I guess, from a risk standpoint. You can things can go over deadline, right? And cost materials can go up, but I would think that it's a little bit more known than if you have to like if it was like the flip that you did. If it was a total teardown and you found all these problems, it could really go over budget a lot more. Is that accurate? Yes. Yes. Okay. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, we, okay. we sold right as things started going up. So thankfully, I mean, I don't want to think about what we could have sold it for right now. We won't go there, but we sold it for more than what we originally thought, but you go in there and you start tear, tearing things apart and you just, it's like this can of worms and you're like, Oh my goodness. Now that I see that not only is, yeah, not only is the drywall have water damage and mold, but the studs behind it do. So now I have to rip out studs and you're literally rebuilding a house. I will say though, flip houses have been a little bit redeemed in my book because we bought a, we bought a house, um, in 20, October, 2020. So also kind of right before things got crazy, crazy. Yep. But we bought it at the right price. We were much more equipped to understand what could potentially go wrong. <laughs> and while our budget did double, we were okay with that because we had like planned for worst case scenario. Got it. So we went into that house. We did a remodel. We were like a $20,000 remodel. Fine. Turned into 40, but that's still fine. fine. And our thought was we would keep it as a rental. So okay. we've kept it for a year as a rental. We're now under contract and come November, we're in November. So now it's been a year and we can sell it. And the reason we did that was for tax savings. Okay. Once we own it for a year, we saved like five to 7% on taxes of our capital gains. But that flip house, I mean, it's, it was a longer flip, but that flip compared to our first, I would so do that better. for any day. Yes. It's just like, we had, to, we had to really like mess up a lot, a lot on the first one. 
I feel like that's generally how business goes. Like yeah. some people get some people get lucky and there are, is no mess up or like hard learning experience. But I would say most people have like something they go through that was like, well, I learned a lot on that one. Yeah. But, so would you say that your primary real estate build business is um, the spec homes? Is that where you're driving the majority of the income? That's kind of your bread and butter? Right now, yes. So we're looking at every deal and I think it's really important to understand what your long-term goal is. Uh, So for me, my long-term goal is I would like to own commercial real estate. I would like to own commercial real estate and I would also like to be a developer, like develop an entire subdivision. That that seems like also HGTV, like (laughs) glamorized, right? Uh, But knowing that those are my long-term goals, I think about how much profit we can turn on a spec house. Yep. And I'm like, we can just keep taking that money, rolling it into the next. And that amount of money gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Yep. So when the right deal comes along, we'll have the capital to, you know, put into Dude. it. And, and also I, spec, spec home seems like then the next level would be rather than doing one spec home, you do 50, right? That would be like a development. Yes. So you're working yeah. your way up to the next level in that arena or that silo of real estate. Yeah. But then when we, I look at like our rental property, like our rental is cash flowing uh, $1,200 a month, which is insane. But we bought it at the right price. We did some great remodels. We got amazing tenants. So I look at that and I'm like, well, we could just keep this. But I really have to, I'm like, I want to be really clear with my end game of yep. at the end of the day, do I want to own a 125 year old? house that's a rental property now that cash flows or would I rather take the amount of equity we built into it pull that out and keep going with this other thing that we're getting pretty good at that yep. will get us to our end goal right because they're different because when your spec house is done you're done right there isn't mm-hmm. there's no phone call after they you sell it like hey the garbage disposal isn't working or yeah whatever mm-hmm. yeah and, and but I will probably- say Oh, well, I just wanted to like make you feel a little better about this, (laughs) that property. Um, Right before we had tenants moving in, they were supposed to be in on like Thursday and Wednesday night, we got everything turned back on because we did a full remodel. So we turned off water, we turned off everything and our sewer line froze. Like that's not supposed to happen. Happen, No. supposed to freeze. So we had to go in the basement and dig up the sewer line so I get it like that stuff, that stuff happens and it's, it's just scary. And I think it's really important to know that and whether you don't know it yourself, maybe you could partner with someone or, yeah. um, or whatever it takes, but just to know that like always looking at the worst case scenario can be really helpful <laughs> in real estate. Yeah, totally. I mean, and you're supposed to do that when you're in the investing world too, right? Like, yeah what could happen if we have another 2008 or another, you know, a market event? Cause they happen. And so, and hopefully they don't happen to you or hopefully it don't happen in the beginning, but you know, at some point things go, can go awry in any investing scenario, I think. Yeah. So if they, if our listeners needed to take one step to get started in real estate, would you recommend like a particular like book, podcast to kind of, I, I would imagine your first thing is to get your knowledge up, right? To like understand mm-hmm. the different arenas, what one do you think works best for you in your life, if you're interested? 
or just do it? The first thing I'm going to (laughs) say, the first thing I'm going to say is kind of like a selfish plug, but I did on my website, I made a quiz of what kind of investing might work best for you. And it's not like it's, you know, perfect. But I want to, I want to take it because I like, real well, take it and, and let like me know dabbled. what you think. Okay. I, what I, but I built it with the, with thinking about a couple of like key questions you really need to ask yourself okay. to help you understand what's the best way to go. Because spec houses aren't for everyone. Rentals aren't for everyone. And there's, but there's something that is for everyone. everyone. There's a way to do it if you have the desire. So I think it's important to think about the risk, what level yeah. of risk naturally are you able to handle? I'm someone that like, my husband says this all the time. I think differently about money. If we lose some, I'm fine. But there's other people that are like, I no, I can't handle that. And that's fine too. But it, knowing that about yourself will inform you about what, what really makes sense for you. Yeah. Doing something a little riskier is not, not going to feel good. So that's yeah. it. Yeah. It's an important question to really understand about yourself. Uh, Another question is to think about what kind of involvement do you want? If you're someone who wants to just have this investment property somewhere else that's making you money, someone else is managing you, managing it for you, and all you're doing is literally collecting a check, that's something very different than if you want to be the one swinging the hammer and yes. building you know, some sweat equity into a property. Totally. And it's important to know that about yourself. Yeah. Um, Right. Like for instance, I, I I couldn't be swinging a hammer. Like I'm doing a podcast, I'm running a business. Like even if I want it to, I don't have the, I don't have the time. Yeah. And there's value to it. If you are someone who wants to swing the hammer, I mean that this is something we kind of talked about before um, we started recording, but like, if you have that skill set that you could actually do the work, there's such an opportunity for you to partner with someone that maybe brings something else to the table, like the money. Right. And that's like, that could be really valuable if you're trying to get started and you don't have the capital right away, but you know how to do the work. So I agree. Just figuring all that out is really important. And then, um, gosh, there was one other thing I was going to say that you shouldn't. Oh, so the, the biggest thing is really looking at your finances and seeing, do you have a set amount of money set aside already that you're able to pull the trigger and just start investing? And if you don't, maybe it's time to really deep dive your budget and see what amount of money you can start setting aside so that you can do that. I think that's music a really to my ears, part. Emily, <laughs> look at your budget. I feel like, yeah, it's so important, it, but it's so important. Yes, it is. And like, okay, just like one note on that. I'll get, and then I'll get off my little uh, soapbox about it. But I will say in the time, in the, time that my husband and I went from two incomes. And now I was a, I had an engineering job and my husband was in uh, the oil field. We were making really great money from the time that we went from two incomes down to one, we really deep dived our budget and we had, you know, going through that process over time, we had more money in the bank than when we were making double the money. And it really all was because we did not understand how we are spending our money it because it's not about how much you make it's about how much you spend yeah and 100%. thinking about that changes everything that's really interesting so you went from two incomes to one and saved more money yes just because you were Three diligent about 
diligent about where your money was going. So you actually analyze what's coming in versus what's going out and made adjustments and were able to save more by being cognizant of where your money was going. Yeah. And at the time we were like a young couple, we didn't have a baby that like we do now. So I think obviously everything is in, you know, strides of where you are in life, but we were able to make a lot of sacrifices that at the time were really beneficial because now we're in a place where we have more capital, more liquid capital, capital to go after these deals, even though on paper, we're not making, I don't think we're still making what we used to make. In ter- if we don't pull our money out of, you know, our real estate. Because deals, you're, so. yeah, your money is in invested to get, keep growing to the next level. Yeah. And from a tax yeah. standpoint, that's good on paper, right? And not, yes. <laughs> because that's a big difference versus a W2 versus owning your own business and then having it invested. There's a lot of, as you said, the primary gain exclusion is a great one. Um, 1031 is another one where you do a like kind to like kind, where you can roll profits from one investment into another with properties. And then another one, which I feel like is probably for a separate discussion, but you can also, depending on what happens with these tax law changes, you can own real estate typically inside of self-directed IRAs. Another and I little... know nothing about that. And that is <laughs> amazing. That's, I would love to learn more about that. We will chat about that offline because you have to have a, you need to really talk to a lawyer or an accountant, but it, there are vehicles where you can own real estate and then there's tax advantages to that as well. That's amazing. So yeah. Hopefully next time we talk, I'm excited to see your growth in the real estate. That'd be so, I think that'd be great to do a development. Yeah, I would love to. I think that's, it's interesting. It's interesting to think about, but we live in a place that's not, you know, New York, New York doesn't have the capability probably to have new developments. <laughs> probably not, no, <laughs> definitely not. And I would say even Utah is like, there's been huge growth here in the real estate market. So yeah. I would imagine it would be a little trickier here too. Well, very, yeah. well, very good. Emily, this was super helpful. I'm sure the listeners are really going to appreciate you sharing your story. Um, where can they find the quiz? And then where can they find more information about you? So my website is my name, uh, emilycostopoulos.com. And it's kind of a mouthful, but hopefully we'll link it in the show notes. So that everyone can yeah. Yeah. Emily, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. We will make sure we link your website where they can find the quiz and more information about you. Um, and I appreciate you coming on. This is great. Yeah, it was so fun. I love what you're doing. I think it's so important that we really talk about, you know, future richness. I Totally. And I love that you brought up the budget because the budget really deep diving your finances can really allow for a lot of different opportunities. And for all of our lovely listeners, you can find us on Instagram for our most up-to-date information on the Future Rich Podcast and online at www.futurerichpodcast.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.